Hello, and welcome to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps. I am your host, Felicia Jimenez, and I am on today with the Mrs. Katie Gerlinghouse. Katie, would you like to say hello for the folks? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, Felicia. I'm so excited to be here. Girl, I am so excited about this topic because it is one that I'm like, I don't think I know a lot about it. And so I feel like you're going to teach me today and the audience today. And so, y'all, we just going to get right into it. Okay. Hey, Black Joy and Bootstraps, the podcast that you really need. Helping my Black community. Good vibes, good energy. Black Joy and Bootstraps. Talk financial literacy. Love and education. Want to see my people elevated. Yeah. <laughs> um, today we are talking about the pelvic floor. Like, I feel like we don't ever get to talk about that area of the body unless it's sexual um, or without shame or like this awkward, like, I've got this pain in my groin area. And people are like, <laughs> I don't really feel like you should be telling us this. So like, um, so I'm excited today to really talk about that. I've watched Katie on this cool journey um, as a as a physical therapist. So anyway, tell us a little bit about yourself, Katie. What um, tell us about yourself and your area of expertise, please. Yeah. So, um, like you said, I'm a physical therapist and I specialize in pelvic health. So as a physical therapist, I treat everything head to toe, but I really got into pelvic health and working with everything pelvic related. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've done that the last four, nope. I've done that the last six years. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just learned from other therapists. And then in 2020, you know, right in the middle of pandemic, I was like, I'm going to do my own thing, started my own practice. And now I really get to focus in on pelvic health and treating that in relation to the whole body. Um, I'm also a mom of two. I have a five-year-old and an almost three-year-old. So they keep me going and trying to balance work and life and, and do everything I want to do. I love it. Listen, I feel like 2020 was, I, I really have to talk about the pandemic very carefully because I know that it was a, a time of a lot of heartache and grief and loss, but it was mm. also like this beautiful time of rest and rediscovery and like moments where people could actually think, yo, I started gardening. I started this podcast. Um, yeah. I started learning like all these different things. And so it was just really cool to be able to see like this transformation in a lot of people um, amidst the um, the the heartache and everything that was also happening and us going stir crazy in the house and, um, you know, being scared to even like look at people because we're like, they might got the COVID. We don't know, you know. So anyway, but I want to get into this because before like I'm I'm learning a lot more now, but when I heard like pelvic floor, I was like, what the heck even is that? Right. So can you explain to us like what is the pelvic floor? Why is it important? Like, what is it? Yeah, so the pelvic floor is a group of muscles that runs from the pubic bone in the front. So like right below abdominal wall, abdominal muscles, there's that bone there. And it runs down through like around vagina, around the anus to the tailbone. And then between your sit bones on either side, it's connecting there. So everything in the middle, if you're sitting up tall, everything you're sitting on is part of the pelvic floor. <clears throat> so, uh -huh. yeah, so it's multiple muscles, but we group them all together because it's easier, frankly, to just say pelvic floor. Then those muscles really work to control bladder function, bowel function, sexual function, and they can cause pain or relate to pain anywhere in the pelvis abdominal area. 
So, okay. I appreciate that. You said in the very beginning, you were like, I started, um, like, again, you can treat from head to toe. What made you get into like this particular area? Like, how did you notice, like people need help with this? Cause as we, as I said in the beginning, like this is an area of the body that we're like, you can't just be talking about this, Katie. So like, <laughs> what made you get into this? Yeah. And people come to me and they still don't want to talk about it. Right. Um, <laughs> They're like my, um, area, you know, <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> we don't even have the language because we, as a people don't feel comfortable using correct terms and such. So anyway. Yeah. So I, we were living in Boston at the time and I was treating people with back pain, hip pain, the normal things that you think of physical therapy. And some of my patients were not getting better. And I was trying to figure out like what's going on when we're doing testing, we are constantly looking for a way to reproduce pain or to immediately change it so that I know I'm treating the right thing. And I couldn't figure out what was going on with those people. So I started looking into more of pelvic floor, what was happening there. And when I started treating them with either pelvic floor strengthening or relaxation, their back pain and hip pain started getting better. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. And so that was my first little segue into pelvic floor and pelvic health. But then I found out like, oh, the pelvic floor does all of these other things, these things that we don't want to talk about, mm. or these things that especially women, we go to the doctor and we hear like, oh, that's fine. Like it's normal. Like, oh, right. you're just going to leak the rest of your life because you had kids. Oh, like you have pain on your period, like deal with it. Right. And then I found out that we could address that with treating the pelvic floor and get our lives back. And to me, that was so much more valuable mm -hmm. um, so that women could, could get, could work through these things. So do you only work with women or is it men as well? What is, what does that look like for you every day? I treat everyone except kids. Um, I will treat like teenagers, especially like teenager with pains with like tampon use is typically mm -hmm. what teenagers come for. Um, but I treat anyone, any adult that wants to come in, men, women, um, transgender, anyone who, um, any and everybody with the pelvic and, floor. <laughs> yep. Yep. Anyone, right. everyone. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so let's talk about that because you, you were talking a little bit about like the functions of it and how, when there's dysfunction, tell us what does the pelvic floor do? What is like you, you mentioned a little bit about the bowels and the, this and the, that, but when you're just like basically telling people, Hey, like, these are all the things that do this. And this is what we need to look for. What are those things? Yeah. So if we think about, let's break it down, bladder, the mm -hmm. pelvic floor relaxes so that you can empty your bladder and it contracts so that you can hold in pee. So mm. if you're leaking, if you're um, not able to empty your bladder well, like if you go to the bathroom and you feel like, oh, I just peed, but I got to pee again. Um, it's baby, been five minutes. If you've had a baby, you know that feeling. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So those things I'm looking for, if you feel like you always have a UTI, mm -hmm. but you don't like you go to the doctor and it's negative every time you test, um, that could be pelvic floor related, bowel related could be more of constipation, or it could be incontinence, especially after having kids. So if you have a third or fourth degree tear, then mm -hmm. that could cause um, fecal incontinence, so leaking. Are you saying in, what is the word you're saying? Incontinence. Okay. Let's talk about that. Cause I have no idea. I've never heard that word in my life. So yeah. I'm like, if I don't know it, maybe some other folks don't know it. Am I the only person that don't know this word? Okay. No, incontinence. That. <laughs> <What is that? laughs> Break that down. Yeah. So incontinence is a big category of, of, um, problems that you could have. It could be bladder or bowel. Mm -hmm. Basically what's happening is you're leaking 
either one, right? So urinary incontinence is leaking pee mm. and bowel incontinence is leaking stool or it could be gas. Ah, okay. Mm. Um, so, yo, this is so much information. I'm like, okay, let, let so <laughs> how do, when you're talking about these things, um, because I feel like, um, let, let me just talk about this section really quick. So sometimes after you've had a baby, I feel like it's just common knowledge, right? I use like finger quotes to say that, like common knowledge that you're just going to leak. Like you're going to, like everybody kind of, there's like the full TikToks about it. Like I'm laughing and ah, I sneeze or, you know, and I'm leaking. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Like, how do we, is that a dysfunction? Is this something we should just be like, yeah, this is just going to be the rest of my life. Cause I feel like physical therapist Katie is telling me that I need to get something checked or do something. <laughs> yeah. That's not normal. Oh, not okay. Normal. Well, that's so, quick. Yeah. <laughs> quick answer. Yeah. No, Felicia, let's go on. Let's move on. <laughs> no. So I was in the first week postpartum. If you're leaking a little bit, you sneeze, you cough. I'm not worried about that. Your pelvic floor just went through a lot of work trauma mm -hmm. and it's healing. So mm -hmm. right. Just like if you strain a muscle, your muscle has to heal a little bit. So give yourself some grace in that first two weeks. After that, I want you to have no leaking ever. I don't care if you jump, cough, sneeze, run a marathon, mm -hmm. whatever. You should have so, no leaking. So I don't know if this, I had a C-section um, and I didn't have a vaginal birth. So does that affect um, like whether or not you will more than likely experience leaking or not? Because I didn't personally, I'm just gonna let y'all know. Y'all know I'd be telling on my business anyway, but <laughs> I, I don't have any leaking. And I'm wondering, is it because... Uh, is it less likely in C-section um, patients or is that just, I don't know. I just don't leak. I don't know. It is less likely if you have a C-section, okay. but not a hundred percent. So C-section gotcha. doesn't save your pelvic floor. Like some people okay. think will say. It doesn't save a lot of things in case anyone is wondering. So yes. yeah. <laughs> a lot of pain, but anyway. Yeah. I see, I, I see less leaking with C-sections and mm -hmm. more leaking with vaginal births, but I see more abdominal problems with C-sections because those muscles have to heal. Gotcha. So mm -hmm. explain to us a little bit. So you talked about like the, um, um, anal incont incontinence. Mm -hmm. Yep. Incontinence. I'm learning these big words. I'm going <laughs> to throw this out in a conversation later. I'm going to be like, yeah, that's complete anal incontinence. So <laughs> I'm going to find a way to throw that out there. Y'all anyways. So, um, what would be some things that would cause that? And I think, again, that's one of those things we're already uncomfortable talking about the pelvic area. And I feel like that's one thing that we don't, we definitely don't talk about. Like the leaking as a mom or as a woman, those things are pretty normal to, we have full jokes about them, right? But anal incontinence, let's talk about that a little bit and what that looks like and what that means. Yeah. So that could be anything from leaking gas where you feel like you can't hold back that fart, right? You're working, mm. you can't hold it back. Um, we we all fart all day long, even mm -hmm. when you don't realize it. But um, excuse if, you, I would never. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're cutting that part out, Katie. I would never. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but okay, so we fart all day. This so, is factual, even though it's totally not me, guys. Keep going. Right, right. None of we don't do that, but the rest of it, everybody oh, else does. <laughs> um, but, but we do. Um, you should be able to hold it back mm -hmm. until you like walk out of the room and give yourself right. some space, right? Um, it could also be leaking stool. So like you you get the urge to go, you're walking to the bathroom and you start leaking. Mm -hmm. It could be that you leak and you don't even realize you leak. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. So like for the majority of people that have like a, a normal or healthy functioning uh, pelvic floor, that would feel more like, uh, like whenever you get food poisoning or you get the runs and then you're like, I didn't even make it to the bathroom. <laughs> like, but someone else might feel that on a, on a more normal basis. And that's how, you know, so let's yeah. talk about assessing the pelvic floor, right? Like, how do I know that I have, if I don't have any leakage or anything like that, how do I know that my pelvic floor is healthier? Are those the only two signs? No. So there's, there's other things that we look at. Um, if you have pelvic pain, especially really painful periods, mm. um, pain that's limiting you from your daily activities anywhere in the pelvis, abdomen, hips, anything like that could be pelvic floor related and, um, pain with sex. Oh, okay. So definitely want to hit on, I think a lot of times, like you were saying earlier, especially this is one thing that as a black woman, I know very well, um, is the dismissal of pain. And so I kind of wanted to to hit on that a little bit too, because we will go and I know PCOS during, if you have polycystic ovarian um, syndrome, right, then you will have more painful periods. And, and then if they identify, well, you don't have PCOS, then they just kind of write you off. Like, yeah, periods are painful, right? And they might, they might check for some other things, but for the most part, they're just kind of like, mm. and specifically as a black woman, you just kind of feel like, mm, like they're not going to listen to you, period. Um, yep. Oh, I like that period. No pun intended. Anyway, so, <clears throat> but I want to really get into that. So when you say um, painful, when we're talking about how do we gauge that? You know what I mean? Because I feel like we're all walking around. So like if it can't be mitigated with like pain pills or like you said, it's kind of ruining your daily activities. How do we gauge that? So it, you're on a normal period, you should be able to, you might have some like light cramping, some achiness, but it shouldn't limit you from doing anything that you want to do. Okay. Right? Gotcha. So if it's keeping you in bed, if you're saying like, I don't want to go for a walk and I normally go for a walk every day. Mm. If I am not going out with my friends, because that's normally something I would do today. It, those are things that are not normal. If it's affecting your daily or day-to-day activities. Yeah. Gotcha. And so let's talk about sex because I feel like a lot of these things have been um, in reference to women too, when you're talking to the, talking about the pelvic floor, mm -hmm. is there any um, inclination in men as well um, when it comes to the sexual activity? What does that, what does that look like? What does painful activity during sex look like, feel like, what should we be worried about? For men specifically? Or for both? Um, just period. But I'm wondering if um, men had any issues with this too, like how they would know. Because, you know, once men start listening, they're like, they're talking about periods. I'm hoping men are more mature than that. But like, <laughs> you know, once we start hearing that, I need them to know, like, you have women in your life. Like women, need, you need mm -hmm. to be able to tell them maybe this isn't normal. Maybe this is abnormal, you know? Um, yeah. And so to, to have them seek help as well. But also like when we're talking about these things, what should they be looking for in themselves? So kind of like a overarching okay. question of what is, what is this, what does painful sex look like um, period for, for any gender? Yeah. So pain at any point during sex, that could be arousal. It could be during penetration. So basically inserting anything into the vagina okay. for either partner. Okay. Um, it could be with orgasm or it could be after mm -hmm. orgasm for either partner. Right. So gotcha. sometimes men will come to me and say, I have pain with erections. Okay. And then once the erection goes away, pain is gone. Right. Okay. Or yeah. 
they might fine be able to have sex orgasm no problem and the next day they feel terrible Mm. so how do we know the difference between i just had very great sexual activity last night (laughs) and maybe i pulled some muscles (laughs) as opposed to yeah this is kind of just painful overarching because like overall because sexual intercourse should be enjoyable right for both partners Mm -hmm. or however many partners you have (laughs) for all people involved um and i'm like let me be very politically correct it's 2023 now almost so um but yeah so you want that to be enjoyable for anyone right and so how do we know the difference between maybe things got a little wild and this is you know how I'm feeling right now like so if if it's a one-time thing Mm -hmm. then it's probably more I'm leaning towards this is a one-time thing right like that was just that particular sexual activity Mm -hmm. with um people who are having pain with sex, it's more typically happening every time. Okay, gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And if it's it, like, it might be, okay, it's every time that orgasm, then it'll be every time, whether it's with a partner or by themselves, like there will be a pattern there or yeah. every, it'll be the same position every time. Mm, okay. And so I, this is just a lot of really good information because I feel like sometimes <laughs> too, we just go, Maybe this is what sex is supposed to feel like. Maybe this is what, you know, all of the things we're talking about. Maybe leaking is just normal. Maybe, you know, from any end, it's just supposed to be normal. Or maybe, you know, they tell me sex is supposed to feel good, but I don't feel that way. So maybe it's something with me. Um, But is hope on the horizon? Are there ways to like lessen this pain? So let's talk about those things. What what are some ways that we can, that that you help um, treat people when you find out uh, about these uh, dysfunction or pains that they have. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to kind of cut touch on a story here for a minute. Cause I think sure. this will would be relevant. So even I, like, I know these things and I see this all day and help people with it. And I still, for myself was having sex and feeling like, uh, it's just not the same as it was pre-kids, but like, it is what it is. Like, it's not the same. Mm. And then I went to a class and I learned how to fit a pessary which is for uh, prolapse. And after that, sex was way better. And I was like, oh, like I I was even ignoring my own symptoms. You're going to ask me all the questions about pessaries and prolapse. You know I am. You know that's <laughs> coming. You absolutely know that. Anyway, let's carry on. So, um, but even for myself, I was like, oh, like I wasn't listening to myself. And then once I addressed something, it was better. So Mm. I think one of the most important things is that when you go someone, they should be listening to you. These aren't always very straightforward solutions Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. very straightforward figuring out what the problem is, right? I had someone come to me and she was saying, I can orgasm on my own, but I can't with my partner. Mm. And we had to sit down and really dig through all of the details of that and what the difference was and how she felt emotionally and all of the things that go into arousal to figure out why she was having that difference. So my goodness, I feel like this is, I feel like we could have done an entire episode on just this alone. Um, I feel like we need a part two. The people will let me know if we need a part two, but, (laughs) but you know, I, I just had to say this because I feel like 
whenever sex is not enjoyable, we just don't know why. And then it's too embarrassing to, to maybe talk to friends or even like, especially a specialist, you know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. many times we want to jump to, maybe that person just doesn't know what they're doing. But like, when you're saying things like, well, sex was enjoyable at this time, but it's not now. And it was, you know, whatever, then we have to look a little bit deeper because it could be something else. So I really appreciate you saying that, but carry on. Cause you know, I'm going to come with all those questions about all them words that I didn't know. Yeah. So keep going. Okay. <laughs> so if we have something, so let's talk pain with sex specifically. If we're, if we're treating that, we're looking at what happens with um, the muscles in the pelvic floor specifically, can they relax well enough to allow penetration in the vagina? Mm. Do they, and, and it, for anal sex, we're looking at that too, right? Okay. So okay. wherever I just ask people like, what does sex look like to you? And we go from there. I like that. Uh, yeah. And I like but, the fact that I know, because I know you, I also mm -hmm. know that there's, there's like a no judgment zone. You're like, what does sex look like <laughs> for you? Okay, cool. So let's go from there and in discussing, you know, how that should feel as well. I like that. Mm -hmm. Good. So, um, so I'll ask, um, questions about when their pain is, what happens with their pain, but we want to know was the, is the muscle relaxing? Is it contracting well? So for my patients with a penis, I'm looking at, can they contract their pelvic floor well to get an erection? If they have like, um, <clears throat> vaginal pain, then I want to know, can their muscles relax? Mm, okay. Right. All right. And so, Again, going back, when we are, uh, one way to assess it is we have to ask these questions, right? So we have to look at where my pain is. Is this normal? Um, why Why was I feeling maybe a certain way before? And a lot of these things are, are difficult too, if this is your first time having sex and you don't know, or your first partner um, those are things that could make you kind of feel like, well, this is just what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. But I love how you're here telling us, no, like this should absolutely be enjoyable. Like mm -hmm. people haven't been having sex for the, from the, since the beginning of time to, because it's not enjoyable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like we would just be like, we're good on that. Like <laughs> yeah. we just wouldn't do it. So, you know, I really, I really appreciate that. And I feel like listeners really need to understand that, that if, if something in your body has changed, I've also heard this about, um, post uh, chemo. Like if you, if you've mm -hmm. had, are there any other times, um, that you can kind of let people know, like these may be things in your life that will cause your pelvic floor, like cause pelvic floor dysfunction or things like that. So for pelvic floor dysfunction, that could be a lot of things. We talked about like pregnancy, um, chemo radiation could cause it changes in your life could cause it. So if you change out, change your workout, then mm. if you're doing a whole lot of squats all of a sudden, then that could cause more pelvic floor tension. If you're doing, like you decide that you're going to start running every day and you've never been a runner before, mm. things like that can change your pelvic floor activity, but also things like stress, right? So we think about, we always think about like our shoulders coming up to our ears when we're stressed and tensed, mm -hmm. but our pelvic floor actually contracts and gets tense before our shoulders. So if you're stressed and your shoulders are up, your pelvic floor is right there with it. Interesting. I never, yeah. <laughs> I've never <laughs> thought about that. Like also my pelvic floor is very stressed right now. I've never heard that in a conversation. <laughs> so yeah. You don't think about naturally. Us. Yeah. We don't have a good awareness and connection with our pelvic floor a lot of time, right. but so I have people do like do breathing exercise and let go of your shoulders mm -hmm. and then let go of your pelvic floor with it. And I'll teach them to do that. 
But other things that can cause pelvic floor tension or dysfunction could be um, a medical trauma or something in that realm. So if you have a really bad UTI or you get um, like I'll see people with STIs Mm -hmm. that then um, cause just inflammation in the pelvic region and then lead to problems. Mm, pelvic floor it could also be trauma um like physical trauma Mm -hmm. affect pelvic floor like sexual assault or Mm -hmm. things like that uh deeper you guys know what i'm saying but yeah okay yeah yeah so those are the big things so we look at mental physical emotional all of that together this is just lovely like i'm like this is so (laughs) much like really incredible information because i think Sometimes we just go, um, sex is a physical connection or, you know, like whatever, but it's so much deeper than that. And so many things can block this or make it satisfying. Right. Um, and so it's so incredible to, to be able to acknowledge that. Um, I wanted to circle back really quick because I forgot to ask you this when you were talking about this, but, um, let's discuss when it comes to leaking Kegels, they tell us that Kegels are like the end all be all, this is all you need to do, right? So would you agree with that? Explain what a Kegel is and then tell us if you agree with that. Okay, no, no. (laughs) Okay, that was quick. (laughs) Stop doing Kegels at stoplights. We're like, hell to the now, now. Stop saying it. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) So I was say, just like if you're going to work out your arms and you're going to do bicep curls, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which your pelvic floor needs to be strong, right? You want to be able to do a pelvic floor contraction, which is a Kegel. I don't use the word Kegel because Kegel is named after an old dead white dude. Mm, so yeah. I just call them pelvic floor contractions. I like that. Uh, I like that. Let's switch that language up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's like be that nice there. So um, pelvic floor contractions are good. We want strong pelvic floor, but we also want to be able to relax the pelvic floor. Mm, okay. Right? So if you walk around all day with your arm flexed up and you can't can't um, straighten it, it's going to get stuck in that position. If you walk around with your pelvic floor contracted all day and you can't relax it, it's going to get stuck in that position. And a pelvic floor that can't squeeze all the way because it's stuck halfway is not going to be able to work efficiently. Mm, okay. So when you go to cough or sneeze, your pelvic floor can only do half the job. And then you leak. Interesting. Okay, let me let me tell you something because this was this is <clears throat> kind of my experience. So after I had my daughter, um, I like up until a few months ago, this is a real life story. She is seven years old, and I was not able to sleep through the night. I would get up every single night to use the restroom. And I finally was like telling my best friend, I never told my doctor, I just Literally, again, like I was saying earlier, accepted it as matter of fact. I had a daughter. My bladder is trash now. This is what it is. So I'm talking to my really good friend um, and she's like, girl, no, like you need to just like you can Google this and find some remedies. And I'm like, are you why? Like I'm the Google queen. Like, why did I never think? But again, I think sometimes you just accept things as matter of fact, like this is just the consequences of having a child. Right. Like this is the 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 labor that goes in thereafter and for the rest of your life. And so um, while there wasn't like, I can't recall leaking, maybe I did, but I don't, I don't ever recall having leaking, but I know that I was living in the bathroom. Like I just peed uh, more times than the average person, like 
couldn't sleep through the night. And so basically they, I read this article and it's like, just try. And it was so simple. I was so embarrassed, but it was like, just hold it in and use the restroom less. Because my thing was, as soon as I felt like I had to use the restroom, I would just go immediately. Like I felt that sensation and I would go immediately. And so in the article, it was like, if you go every 30 minutes, try to hold out to 45 to an hour. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But then I realized that it wasn't as painful as I thought it was. Like, I think my brain was tricking me into believe that like, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go, you know? And so tell us a little bit about that. Like, it, did I really like, I don't know, but now I sleep through the night every single night, unless I do that ridiculous thing where I drink like a gallon of water before I go to bed, which why does anyone do that to themselves? But I do. Okay, let's just pass the judgment. We're done. So if you drink that much water at night, you're going to have to get up to pee. That's expected. Thank but... you for that advice. <laughs> <laughs> I will probably not be taking it still. Carry on. I make bad decisions. <laughs> That's okay. I just say, so if you're going to do that, just know the consequences. You have to get up. And I do. <laughs> During the day, you should be able to go three to four hours between peeing. Okay. Right? You should you should also not be going five, six, seven hours, which means teachers and nurses, y'all need to be going to the bathroom more, whatever that takes. Ooh, I know that's hard. Hit dog will holler. They're going to be mad after this, even though we know it. But the, those, both of those, and I know you said that because your clients are teachers and nurses, aren't they? Yeah. Ooh. Yes. Yep. I knew it. As soon as you said it, it flowed so smoothly. I was like, y'all, she's talking about us. Like you don't have that opportunity. Like we literally have to, like, it's, it's just Hold very it difficult. It. So it's such, that's mm -hmm. such an abusive thing, you know, for our bodies. And we have to really come to terms with that and figure out how to do that. So yes. Yeah. 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 Cause I, cause I will tell you now, if you can't find a way to do it, you end up with problems later on down the road. Mm, okay. okay. So take care of yourself whatever that means, like whatever you need to do to get that done, to be able to go to the bathroom one more time during the day, right? Mm. Like just add one time in. So with the frequency during the day, having to go every 30, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, something like that, it is, I mean, our, our, there's, it could be two things going on. What happens most of the time is we go, we get the urge to go. We're home. The bathroom's right there. We go, right? Mm-hmm then our bladder starts sending that signal earlier and earlier, right? Our brain says, oh, there's just a little bit of pee in there. We should go. Right? That's literally like, and then I would go to the restroom and it's like droplets. And I'm like, why are you feeling this yeah. intense sensation when it's just like done, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because your brain, you're just getting, your brain gets more and more sensitive to the amount of urine in there. So it should be this much, right? So it should be a good amount. And now it's shrinking 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 mm -hmm. because every time you respond on that very first urge then you go to the bathroom so your brain says well it must be really full right we always got to go so you keep going so what, normally you should get a first urge where you're like i gotta go to the bathroom but like i'll just keep finishing whatever i'm doing and then you get a second urge you're like okay i should go find the bathroom and a third urge where you're running to the bathroom mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. right if you go on the first urge every time you'll keep going every 30, 45 minutes. You want to be in that second urge most of the time. I really appreciate that because it took me seven years to know what you just told me in a matter of seconds, you know, and what my friend sent me an article on. And, and I think that every, every time we do this, like there are certain pains in our bodies and I probably need to have a chiropractor on and all the other people too, but <laughs> 
I feel like there's certain pains in our body that we just live with and accept it as fact. Like, you know, and and it's also even more sad because when we talk about the American healthcare system, you know, it's not like everybody just has the financial means um, to see a specialist such as yourself or, you know, and and that's that's a whole other topic of discussion. I mean, like, but even those who who are able, I feel like there's this like, this is just normal. It just is what it is. And Katie, let me tell you one time, I have never like had, you know, like the the parent jealousy where like moms are always like, I'm attached to this baby because I'm nursing and my husband just gets to sit there with his useless nipples. Like I never felt that way. My daughter, like I, well, I can't say I never felt that way, but like, I'm the one that got, I'm the one that gained all the weight and I'm the one that has to deal with like the C-section itching scar, but like- (laughs) I didn't, I didn't nurse. So I didn't feel that like, I'm just connected to this child all the time, you know, but girl, when I tell you, I have to tell y'all this and I don't care, (laughs) but like (laughs) when one morning he got up to use the restroom and he peed for so long that it was like, y'all, I swear it could have been 60 seconds, but it seemed like eternity. Like I was like, my bladder could never, like he came out and I was like, what in the entire hell just happened? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you literally just peed for what felt like five minutes. Like it was like a five gallon bucket just unloading into the toilet. And I was like, I could never like, and so (laughs) I was just sitting here, but also, and I know like, it's so funny to think about, but I was like, my, and I don't know, like, I'm also like a smaller person, you know, I'm 4'11". I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but I'm like, maybe my organs are smaller. I don't know. Is it like a one size fits all organ? I don't know. But like, I was just like, this is crazy. So like, can I get to that level, Katie? That's my question. Can I get to that like five gallon <laughs> bucket release where I don't have to look at my husband like, where did you get that bladder? Because that's out of pocket. Like, <laughs> like that was ridiculous. I was so mad. So, so you know, <laughs> like, your bladder probably won't ever be the same size. Okay, fine. Yeah, because yeah, because people, different <laughs> people are different sizes, right? Yeah, right. But you should go to the bathroom in the morning, and you should empty your bladder, and it should be a good empty yes. where you're like, oh, like got it all out. Right. And yeah. it should be long. I have never felt envy for someone peeing before in my life. Like, <laughs> I don't know how that's a thing. I'm sure everyone's going to make fun of me after they hear this, but I just need y'all to know that was my real life in that moment. <laughs> like, I just could not understand. You're so, not the only one. Yeah. But, and, and it was just crazy <laughs> to me, but now like, I know, and I feel that I have a healthier bladder. I go in the morning, Um, and again, I go on that. I feel like exactly what you were saying now, I go on that second time and I feel like I feel it, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm like not reaching that point where I'm like, oh, it's about to just go, you know, but I do feel that urge and, and it's a significant amount. I know that's also like, we don't ever talk, who talks about the amount of urination they have, you know? And so I, I love the opportunity that we have to share these things and that you have to share your expertise because I feel like, when do we get to just sit down and talk about <laughs> our pelvic floor? Yeah. So let me ask you too, like when we're talking about the pelvic floor, cause you mentioned before, like these are the things that could 
cause changes in the pelvic floor. You doing squats, you running. I never thought about like positive things. Like running and the squats, those mm-hmm. are good things and they can help your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Where I see problems is when people are doing them wrong. Ah, okay. So yeah. um, um, what is it called? Um, so so if you go, if you do a squat mm-hmm. and you have really weak hip um, hip rotate your glutes, right? Your butt muscles are really weak. Then you're going to start compensating. And then that might cause problems with pelvic floor. Gotcha. 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 So right. the, the, um, your posture and all those things matter when you're doing a squat. Um, sorry, yeah. I'm like doing this motion. Cause I, I always do like the barbell. So for those of you that are listening, I like have my hands. Up. <laughs> like I'm like, I always have like the barbell on my back, like when I'm doing squats. So I'm thinking about that, but um, mm-hmm. that, all those things form. Why could I not think form. of that? Yeah. Form matters a whole bunch, which is why it's also great to have personal trainers to tell you like, Hey, you're putting a lot of emphasis on your back. Cause I'm like, I don't want to tear something. And I also don't want to, this is an exercise I do weekly. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I'm doing this a minimum of two times a week, some kind of squat exercise. So I would like to perfect this form and not like hurt my back or put this pressure on my legs. That's like not correct. So, yeah. And I would say, oh, and I would say with that, if you're doing something and you feel like it's not right or you feel you're leaking. So if you're doing squats and you're leaking, mm. um, especially as you increase weight, right. Cause a lot of people think, well, I have to hold my breath when I lift more weight, mm, okay. which there is a, there is a time to do that. Most of us do not need to hold our breath, right? Gotcha. If you have to hold your breath, you're lifting too much. Um, but I mean, I had a, I had a weightlifter, a bodybuilder who with pelvic pain because he had weak hip muscles, right? Complete sense. So, so listen to your body, mm. right? If I could, because the, all this knowledge is out there. You don't have to know how many times you should pee a day. You don't have to know that leaking is not normal, but if something doesn't feel right, if something isn't is different. If something has changed, if you're just not sure, ask, ask, find someone to ask, um, you know, preferably like an expert in that field, right? Mm -hmm. Like don't ask your dentist about your pelvic floor, but I'm going to find someone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I talked to my dentist about my pelvic floor, but I'm like, my, my physical therapist, Katie, said that if I'm clenching here, which is like this area. So let's talk about my pelvis. <laughs> <Just kidding>. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So just but trust yourself. Trust yourself. Like if you think, because so, so I, endometriosis is a, is a big um, pelvic pain condition that mm-hmm. is pretty common. More and more people are hearing about it. It takes a person seeing eight doctors on average before they get that diagnosis eight doctors, the amount of persistence you have to have to get that diagnosis before you can have treatment Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. ridiculous because women in general get dismissed. Mm -hmm. Black women get dismissed more, especially when it comes to pain conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, But even things like prolapse is um, white women are three times more likely to have surgery for it, which they say because they're three times more likely well they're three times more likely to get prolapse Mm -hmm. but that's not true it's the problem is that black women and minorities are less likely to even know about it Mm -hmm. 
And right? white women are going to be believed when we, when we, why did I say we as, a, as if I was a white woman? Yeah. <laughs> but white women are more likely to be believed. So when they go to um, the doctor and they say, this is a pain here, right? You're actually more likely, and you, there's that word again, prolapse. So what is that? What, what was that? Prolapse, it could be when your bladder, your bowel, or your uterus are falling down. Mm, I've heard like about this. Way. Okay. Yeah. So you'll feel like heaviness, pressure, feel like you have a tampon in, feel like there's just something sitting in your vagina. Um, that's that's prolapse. Mm, can this be anally as well? Like, can men experience prolapse as well? Or is that just... Men can. Uh, it's much less common. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Could yeah, this be well, also, like, what are the causes of prolapse? Pregnancy, vaginal birth, more tearing with birth, you're more likely to have it. Constipation, especially chronic constipation, because you're pushing and straining. Gotcha. Those are the big, the big ones to look at. There's also some overweight is going to feed into that a little bit too. Gotcha. You know, this is <clears throat> one thing that I have come to learn and I'm really trying to incorporate about my body itself is three things. Body should be happy, healthy, and functioning. And by happy, I mean like you should not be in pain. Pain does not make you happy. Like certain foods, like, you know, things that make you happy, things that keep you healthy, things that are going to help function of the body. Those are the ways in which we should talk about our bodies. Um, you know, because we as, especially as women, we tend to be very hard on ourselves with our bodies, but I think it's important to come back regardless of gender. Is your body happy? Are you doing things that would make it happy, that would make it healthy, that would make it function to the best of its ability, right? Um, and I'm not a physical therapist. I don't have any letters behind my name that would allow me to train anyone uh, <laughs> on anything, no certifications. But I think that that's a beautiful place to start because you know what? TikTok taught me that. So, <laughs> but it, it is a model that that is important um, to just remember and how you talk about yourself and how you feel about yourself. Pain does not make you happy. So let's talk about it. Where can we go to, to figure this out or dysfunction right? That does not make me happy. Um, you know, not being healthy doesn't make me happy. So where, who can I talk to about those things? And that's how we should really be addressing our bodies. Yeah. Katie, this, I cannot say how much I appreciate you, like the amount of knowledge, um, especially, you know, it's so important to be able to discuss these things and to also be able to acknowledge how they affect communities differently um, us individually and making this conversation one that um, I felt very comfortable in asking and sharing my own experiences, even here with, with everybody, you know, I'm like, so my husband pees very long, you know? But like, you know, but I feel like there's this beauty in being able to have the hard conversations about things that make people uncomfortable. So I yeah. just cannot say enough. Thank you so much for coming on today, for talking to us, for sharing your knowledge. Um, I will absolutely post all of your information so everybody um, can <laughs> get with the great Katie Girling House and learn all about all the things that we talked about today. Do you know anyone else, by the way, who specializes in what you do? Like, yeah, we're it's kind of a small world. So okay. we, we all know each other or know about each other. So I know several of the therapists in DFW. Okay. 
Yeah, well, there's not the DFW. You have to go to Katie because she already got your business now. So we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Katie, but I know if you if you reach out to me and you're looking for someone, I'll help you find someone. Love. I know people all over. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I'm one lot like I just cannot say thank you enough, Katie, for coming on um, and for talking to us and for sharing your knowledge with us. So we really appreciate that. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you for having me. And I'm just glad that we're able to, like you said, talk about something that is hard to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about it, but we all need to know. Well, we don't talked about it now, so we good. <laughs> thank you so much, Katie.